Hey, Sam. Hi, Bev. <laughs> I was worried that it was not going to make a good noise. <laughs> I could hear it building up, and I was like, uh-oh, what is that uh-oh, noise? Uh-oh. I was like, something doesn't sound right. It's the sound of celebration. That's what that is. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It is the sound of celebration, because today is our one-year podcast anniversary. We made it. Yay. So what you drinking over there? So I just popped open an Andre, um, you know, which is California sparkling wine. So it's, you know, not champagne, but we can pretend. Uh, (laughs) It's my favorite cheap bubbly wine, and it is the Spumante. So it is the sweet one. Mm. Um, And it's peachy and kind of has some honey taste in it. So, yeah, I thought it was perfect for the occasion. Uh, what are you drinking over there? So I'm drinking a Sightline, which is a Brute IPA, which is a Champagne IPA. Fancy. From Yellow Springs Brewery. And where is Yellow Springs Brewery at? So Yellow Springs is about an hour or so northwest of here. Okay. And Yellow Springs is a really cool, like, fun and funky town in Ohio. And it's actually where Dave Chappelle lives. No way. Yeah. (laughs) Fun fact. I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Remember when he, like, fell off the radar and was hiding from everyone? Yeah. Yeah. He moved to Yellow Springs. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to fall off the face of the earth, just move to Ohio. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it totally works. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we were at the brewery yesterday and they just happened to have this uh brute ipa on tap and i told my husband i'm like you have to get me a growler of that because tomorrow is our one-year podcast anniversary and i have to be drinking champagne for it but i don't like champagne or have any champagne but a champagne ipa i can handle that <laughs> fair enough <laughs> so welcome to we drink and we farm things yeah that's bev and that's Sam over there. And this is the farm comedy podcast that is happy hour for your ear holes. We like to drink adult beverages, talk about farming things, and we give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. Heck yes. So not that like we don't want our farms to be full of good things all the time, but the realities of farm life aren't always rainbows and sunshine. We like to keep it real with you and have discussions that include the mistakes we make, new knowledge we gain, we try to entertain the heck out of you, and sometimes we go off on tangents that are not farming related. Yes, and speaking of tangents, we record our tangents and stick them up on Patreon. Uh, So this week, we did actually record a BS session, and we talked about all sorts of random stuff. So if you're interested in hearing about some non-farming stuff, go to patreon.com slash drinkandfarm. And anybody can listen to that. Yeah, you don't have to be a Patreon supporter to listen. But if you want to become a Patreon supporter, that is where you do it. And when you become a Patreon supporter, you get access to all sorts of episode outtakes and fun things that get uploaded up there. Maybe some images. We we do several, several neat things. And we also send out thank you gifts to our Patreons that are on the $5 level and above. Right. So if you want in on the next gift, um, that's going to go out in early April in active patrons that are charged on 4-1. Um, 
will be able to get a gift in April. So if you're not a patron at the $5 above level, you still have time to go do that. So go to patreon.com slash drinkandfarm, check it all out. And um, that'll actually help send us to Coop Camp this year. So we're really excited that we can, you know, give you guys a little gift and it'll help us go to Coop Camp. Yeah. And while we're at Coop Camp, we're planning on bringing all sorts of neat stuff to you guys, our listeners. Uh, We're teaching a workshop while we're there and we're planning on recording it. We're going to record a live episode. We'll probably do a few things while we're in our hotel rooms there. Uh, All sorts of fun stuff. So we're going to do our best to sort of bring you to Coop Camp with us, even if you can't like really be there in in real life life. Yeah, exactly. Physically. Yeah. (laughs) And speaking of the Patreon, our drinks this episode are sponsored by Ashley Kiernan. So cheers, lady. Cheers. Woo. I think, was she our first drink sponsor? Yes. And she's still with us. I know. Wow. I'm glad we're not totally screwing this up then. We have some committed listeners. That feels good for year one. It really does. I mean, I mean, I don't know what the stats are on podcasts that make it to a year. Oh, yeah. I don't know either. <laughs> but to put out a podcast like what we do here, I mean... We're, we have a lot of fun and we're not like crazy serious or anything, but we are serious about putting out a quality podcast and that takes time and yeah. commitment and research and learning how to do stuff. So I imagine that a lot of people burn out. Oh, yeah. But Well, and I think you have to be kind of obnoxiously relentless to keep up with it, especially I feel like you because you do all the editing and that was a completely <laughs> new skill set that you learned just for this. And if what if you like hated that, you know? So I'm grateful that you've done it and you've embraced it. And hopefully we can like offload that from you someday. Um, just because, you know, you're busy. I'm busy. Like we could all use more time, right? So, right. So hopefully, maybe that'll be on our wish list. Maybe we should add that on Patreon. Well, it is added on our Patreon wish list. Oh. Once, we re- once we reach a specific Patreon goal, we will pass off the uh, editing to somebody that really knows what they're doing. And they'll probably do a better job than I do. But I have gotten better as the year's gone on. That's okay, though, because you it won't be your problem anymore. So Exactly. Aha. So let's recap a little bit of like our achievements from this year, because one of the things we talked about in the BS was about kind of, you know, the line of like humble bragging and the line of like, you know, legitimately kind of bragging about like your accomplishments or things that you're proud of. Like, it's kind of funny. You guys should go listen to it on the Patreon. But I think it's, you know, not a bad thing for us to highlight our accomplishments from the past year. Yeah, so this is brag bragging, but it is brag bragging um, in sort of a way. It's also being thankful because, like, yeah, there are a ton of people we couldn't have done this without. Um, but in the first year, we recorded 52 episodes. Woo! <laughs> That's kind of a big deal. Yeah. You know, we made it every single week. Um we also recorded 12 mini-sodes, and 10 of those were interviews 
with fabulous people that were so willing to open up about their stories and their companies and deal with some technical difficulties sometimes, like poor Brad. We tried that interview a few times, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, farm Wi-Fi is not always the greatest. <laughs> so, you know, we had to, you know, push through some struggles to get some of that content to you, but it was totally worth it. Yeah, and over the year, we have gained 16 patrons, which is amazing. There are 16 people out there that think this podcast is good enough that they give us a few dollars of theirs per month, which yeah. is pretty humbling. And then there's a small subset of that 16 that pay $15 a month to sponsor our beverages every month, Yeah, um, which is like super crazy. Like, thank you for keeping our buzz going. Um, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we appreciate that. And we made it to one beer festival. Yes, we yeah. met each other <laughs> at a beer fest, which is just totally appropriate. It would have been a second one. It would have been two beer fests, probably, if I would have planned my, you know, goats being pregnant better. <laughs> yeah, I saw that uh, Brittany from The Little White Coop was there last weekend. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah. oh, we would have been I there know. with her. But... <laughs> I know. Uh, but yeah, so we also had some really great sponsors. Um, we've had four this year, Henny and Rue, Grubly Farms, First Saturday Lime, and Missy Mildred. So that's really encouraging to have um, just set sponsors that keep coming back and keep supporting us in every way that they can. Um, we can't thank them enough. And I really love that our sponsors for the first year were all small businesses. Um, so we could support and lean on each other and help us all grow during this past year. Yeah. And it was really great to have sponsors that we really enjoyed mm -hmm. on a human level um, but also that just make kick-ass things. Oh, like yeah. All of these sponsors, their things are amazing. So if you haven't had yes. a chance to check any of them out, please do. You'll be doing yourself a favor. Yes. I, I've been liming like crazy lately because in the goat stall or in the maternity wards, like because they're consuming so much more food and water now because they're producing milk, like I – that – Lime has been a lifesaver for like soaking up ammonia because we've just been doing deep litter in there. So I like kind of move everything around, shuffle it around a little bit, sprinkle the lime, and then it's like smells so much better. And then that fresh layer of hay, everybody's happy. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. And then Grubbly's Farms, obviously, our chickens would have permanent resting beak face without it, you know? Oh, yeah. And this morning I was making scrambled eggs for breakfast and I used my little Henny and Rue egg scrubber. And I'm like, see, just like some of my everyday little yes. things that I've gotten in my boxes have become some of my favorites. And those are things that I wouldn't have necessarily like picked up if I had seen them at a store. Right. But they definitely make my life easier. Oh, in Messy Mildred, I can't live without the shampoo now for Messy Poo Butts. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it smells good. I feel good about using it. And it's literally just like right by the laundry room sink now. So I don't even have to go look for it in the bathroom. <laughs> That's where I keep mine too. It's just lined up right where they need to be. So that if yes. I have to scrub anybody, it's already ready. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> I mean, and I don't know if you've ever smelled a chicken, but uh, don't unless don't. you've just given them a bath with Messy Mildred. <laughs> right. Especially like with the salty egg bombs, if you mix, have that going and you have like the lemongrass, it's like, shoot, I don't even treat myself this good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, so we've been super fortunate to have sponsors that we believe in, that we obviously use all the time, um, and we're super excited to meet some of them at Coop Camp, so yeah. Yeah, and we're excited to get to meet some of you guys, and mm-hmm. by then it'll be almost like a year and a half, like we'll be approaching a year and a half by the time Coop Camp rolls around. You're right. So you guys at least got, you know, a few more months of this podcast. Yeah. No matter what. (laughs) (laughs) But basically all of this to say thanks for being here. Yeah. And thanks for listening. And thanks for, you know, being kind to us and participating in things like our Facebook group and our Instagram um, and creating the community that, you know, just keeps us going. I mean, I don't know if we'd be as excited to record every week if we didn't have the community behind it. I mean, I love talking to Bev. Don't get me wrong. But (laughs) yeah, we would probably just talk on the phone instead because of all the work that goes into a a podcast. (laughs) Like the research and the editing and then the pictures and the show notes. All sorts of Facebook ad things for fun and yeah. You know, dealing with the Instagram algorithm. (laughs) We do it all for you. (laughs) We do. So we don't have any corrections from last week. Um, Oh, wait. Just kidding. I have a correction. Oh, okay. Yeah. I forgot to write it in the notes. I have a correction. So last week I said that I had been to Marble Brewing Company. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the Green Jeans Farmery in New Mexico. That's not Marble Brewing that's in there. It's Santa Fe <laughs> Brewing. Oh, <laughs> so I've been to whoops. a different New Mexico brewery. Uh, Santa Fe brews pretty awesome beer also. Uh, so I wanted to correct that, though, just in case anybody from New Mexico listened and was like, oh, Bev, that was so wrong. So wrong. Just in case they called bullshit on you. <laughs> yeah. I-, I would like to call bullshit on myself first. Thank there you very you much. There you go. That's One minute fair. I'm bragging. The next minute I'm calling bullshit on myself. Hashtag podcast life. Hashtag authentic drink and farm life. There I we don't go. I where I was going with that. But, you know. <laughs> hashtag hashtag humble brag. <laughs> hashtag it's okay to be wrong. Yes. Exactly. But has Diana ended that uh, hostage situation yet? We're, we're to the follow-up. We're at yes. follow-up corner. She has freaking finally. And it was on the original due date of February 28th, just like mm-hmm. I thought, which means I did witness the conception <laughs> at my at my stepdaughter's birthday party. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I saw it happen. Um, you know, what's funny is like that day, it was a Thursday. So I was in office for my for my big kid job. And I'd kept an eye on her quite a bit from the webcam app on my phone because I was like, I mean, she's still eating. She was laying down a lot, but yeah, she's been doing that for about a week. She'll do like the sit up thing where she's like sitting and goats don't normally sit. Yeah. Um, you just know that they're freaking over it if they're sitting. 
<laughs> but it's so cute um, with their with their udders. It's so cute. Um, so I checked at like 5.30 p.m. before I left the office and she was eating. She was being lazy. So I was like, screw it. I'm going to go out with my work friends because there were some of us that wanted to go out um, for just some after work beverages and some food. So I, you know, initially told my husband, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go out for a little bit. I pulled into the driveway at 930. <laughs> I love happy hours like that. <laughs> yeah. And then I put on comfy pants and then I look at the iPod that has the webcam up 24-7 and I yelled, oh my god, there's a baby. And she's like <laughs> standing up cleaning a baby. And I ran back to the bedroom, threw on my jeans and a hoodie and checked the camera again and oh my god, there's another baby. So oh. I don't know if it was hiding the first time I checked or if she had the second one like standing up. Everybody's different in the way they give birth, you know, including animals. So I don't yeah. know. Um, so she did a really good job getting them cleaned up, but it was pretty cold. So I helped a bit with towels. She ended up giving us a boy and a girl. (laughs) Thank God. Um, they're pretty cute. Um, but yeah, like I said, it was really cold and everyone's a little different. And Diana's personality is so much different than Maya's. So I just kind of kept an eye on her. She was super focused on cleaning them up and didn't really want them nursing too quickly. I think because she, I don't know if she like sensed that with how cold it was, it was important to get them dry right away. Hmm. Um, but I, I sat there for quite some time and tried to help facilitate the nursing because Diana has what we call supernumerary teats, which means she has extra teats. Um, these can also be referred to as spurs or split or antler teats or fishtail teats. <laughs> So I was a little concerned with how the kids would handle it. So I made sure I saw them nurse a few times before I went back to the house. But they did get the hang of it and they both had milk mustaches. So I knew they got plenty. Um, And I'm still watching them nurse quite a few times a day. And I'm sure Diana is like thrilled with how close my face is to that situation. (laughs) Because the way like Diana has it, it's like the split. So if the if the doling can't or the buckling can't like create suction around the actual teat, um, that can be a problem with nursing. So that's why I got my face all up in there. Oh, yeah. Just like human nursing. Right. Suction is required. Right. (laughs) So um, there's a few different ways this teat thing can work. So sometimes it's like a third teat um, or extra teats can come from a recessive trait that comes with the territory of working through a lot of genetics. Um, some bloodlines are more prone to throwing them than others. And then it could also be problems in the like that are environmental occurring during the first trimester um, if that doe is exposed to some toxins. It is also possible for the buck to pass toxins with his semen um, if exposed to them during the six weeks before breeding a doe. And also medications can cause that problem as well. So you want to avoid medications um, when possible, when there's breeding, like when you're planning for breeding or during the first trimester if possible. So I'm not sure if Diana has them from genetics or from toxins or from medications. It's probably not seen by, like, reputable breeders to have bred her as, like, a responsible thing. Um, But it was our personal choice to give it a go. Um, Obviously, the ideal 
goat has two correct goat teats that are clean. They're not deviant um, because that's best for milking, right? Um, and it's also important for dam raising kids, like we mentioned before with the whole suction thing. Um, so does with a, the extra teats may or may not have less function or no function in the extra teats. Um, a weaker kid might be forced to teat or a single kid may get fixated on it when it's not completely functional. So that's another reason why you got to keep an eye on them. Um, kids can actually die from getting distracted by the non-functioning teat and thinking that if they suck long enough that there'll be food coming out of it, which is why I watch for like the milk mustache and listened and I feel their bellies to make sure they're full every time I go out there. Um, so it's important that to even note though, that even a two teated doe can have a blind teat. So even if your goat doesn't have extra teats, they could still have one that isn't producing or functioning the way it should be. Which is crazy. I had no idea that that was a possibility. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that, is it super numery? Yeah, I think it's super numery. Okay. I didn't realize that there was a word for it. I knew that she had a defect of some kind in her teeth, but I didn't know Mm -hmm. that there was like documented and something that wasn't necessarily like it it's probably not crazy common um but it sounds like it happens yes it does and i found a lot of this information on the internet um but there's a gonna be a link in the show notes to countryside network um article where a guest blogger came on and talked about it and i thought she um did a really good job of summarizing some of the issues um For instance, not only could there be extra teats that aren't functional, sometimes they are functional and they have excess orifices or excess holes. Um, You can actually have two orifices on the end of one teat. So it's not just like the number of teats, it's how many holes that teat has. Um, And you really got to watch it with that because that can cause a mastitis problem um, because there's more like it's, it's just extra space for them to get dirt or manure packed in there. Yeah, which would cause an infection. And um, right. new goat mamas can die from uh, mastitis. Right. So it's a very serious infection. Right. So it's really important to be just keeping an eye on everything in the udders and it doesn't hurt. Like, I'm not milking right now because I'm just letting the babies have everything. Um, obviously, if I could tell my or Dinah were uncomfortable because they're not eating enough to offload all the milk from them, um, I would I would start. But everybody seems pretty happy right now. Um, I haven't actually um, been able to really investigate too closely Diana's teats to see if, like, I'm able to milk them both. I was looking yesterday, and I'm pretty sure the spurs don't even have a hole. I think they're just kind of like, you know, a genetic defect kind of thing or whatever that just kind of gives an extra look of a teat, but it's not functional. Yeah. Um, I've tried to mess with them. She's not a fan. Um, <laughs> she's going to be a joy on the milk stand. <laughs> um, but she definitely has like the split teat set up um, because split teats are like really close together. Whereas like fish teats are um, said to be within an inch or two of the bottom of the teat. Um, 
And that one can be really difficult for the kids because, like, they're not super close together. So the kids, like, get, can get really confused and fixated. So you really got to just keep an eye on them. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of serious breeders wouldn't have bred her. Um, so if you if you have a doling or a doe that you're thinking about breeding and she has a teat deformity, just, like, really think it through before you do it and the amount of, like, care that's going to um, go into that and extra paranoia that you might have like me. I'm back to watching the webcam <laughs> in the middle of the night. I'll just wake up and check. Um, so, I, I mean, I can't complain though. She's doing a really great job. Um, the goats have seemed to get the hang of the spur teat thing. It's like, how many times can Sam say teat? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to drink every time you say teat. Ooh. How's like that? Like moist? Like, yeah. Like we did with moist? Moist teat? Yeah. <laughs> that was horribly inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even phased. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, um, but yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, so um, you'll, she had a buckling and a doling. Uh-huh. Um and will you try to milk her? Will it be harder to milk her because of her de- deformity? Or do you think like after this, you know, you'll let her dry up and, and not breed her anymore and, and not not mess with it? Um, I don't know. It could be a little more difficult. I'm not too worried with it other than her just being jumpy and that sort of thing Um, when I try to mess with her udder now. Um... But well, I think we'll just kind of play it by ear. Um, we'll see how the other, how the female doling turns out. It'll be interesting. I haven't really gotten a chance to investigate her situation because she's so tiny. Yeah. The boy is definitely like bigger than her. Um, I'm sure he's the one that I felt the hoof in her, in Diana's ribs quite a bit. <laughs> he's a little big. Um but yeah, I'm just going to kind of play it by ear and see. I've already been thinking about like introducing a new doe to the flock or to the herd <laughs> so we can like mix up the genetics a little bit. Um, I Yeah, and I'm still on the fence. Like obviously I'm going to keep waffles from the first round. I want to keep and I might keep both of these. I don't know. I'd keep them all if I could. Right. But I'm just playing it by ear right now. My <laughs> husband asked me, so when are you going to get rid of some of these? Oh. Or are you going to sell these? And, like, I wasn't even, like, in that headspace when he asked me that that I, like, wanted to cry. I was like, I can't think about that right now with everything going on at work. (laughs) You know, it just kind of, like, spiraled. I didn't actually, like, cry, but I could (laughs) have. Yeah. So it's emotional because it's it's the first time on the farm, you know. And I even feel a different bond with the first three than I do these two um, because I was actually there for the first one the second one was like yeah i ran outside but they were already like out and about um when i got to the barn Ooh, another thing i didn't mention kind of off topic so maya delivered her placenta pretty quickly oh yeah (laughs) and she ate the whole thing good to know and it was so large Um, she did kind of choke a little bit so you want to watch it when they're eating the placenta because they can choke so she kind of like gagged a little bit and then so I like put gloves back on so like I could pull it out of her if I had to yeah but it's not pretty (laughs) 
<laughs> no, placentas aren't pretty. I no. saved mine. Yes, um, you did. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, we talked about it in a drink and lime. We talked yes, about all did. sorts of stuff in that episode. <laughs> yeah, so that was interesting, but my husband kind of came in and watched. And I was like, yep, it's happening, but I'm not going to not watch because I want to make sure she's okay eating it. I don't want to stop it because it's good for her. Um, I know some um, breeders will remove the placenta from the dough. Like once it's obviously out of the dough, they just take it so she can't eat it because they can't choke, I guess. But oh, so I just supervised. <laughs> yeah. On my hippie farm, she's going to eat it. <laughs> yeah. It was very stringy. Yeah. It's just interesting because like Diana's wasn't as big, I want to say. Well, it wasn't, like, as intact, right? Yeah. Yeah. She definitely, like, ate it, but it wasn't, like, as intact. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. So it it. wasn't, like, as obvious, whereas, like, uh, Maya probably looked like, um, oh, wait. No. Diana. (laughs) I'm mixing your goats up. Yeah. Diana probably looked like she was, like, eating a steak. (laughs) Yeah. She was, like, a freaking zombie i almost took pictures i should have took pictures and sent them to you because you probably would not have been offended by those no i would not have been offended by them at all i would have been totally fascinated like i i think the things uh that animals do i'm just i'm always fascinated with them because they do them for a reason yeah i mean not that it was like no big deal to her yeah just like "Eh, i'm gonna eat this thing i'm gonna clean off these kids you know it's not a big deal not that animals don't have thoughts, because that's like not what I want to say whatsoever. Um, but they aren't burdened with uh, like whatever the string of conscience is that we have that yeah. like makes us question everything. Like they do things with instinct. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Was it in your instinct to eat your placenta? I mean, it, I know you did. You like put it in pill form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was not in my instinct. Um, I did it because I heard that there were benefits uh, to taking it, like uh, that it could help like increase milk uh, milk production and also okay. help with like your hormonal changes and issues. And I was nervous oh. about both of those things. So I thought like, well, this is something that came out of my body. And I don't know, I was a little grossed out to just eat it. Not everybody's going to be, but... Um, but I thought dehydrating it and putting it in pill form was uh, acceptable and I still have some in my freezer I feel like I could handle that yeah if I did it that way but well it's just like like, taking a supplement yeah the way I saw it come out of her I'm like nope there's no way I could just take the raw product and like cook it up nope not for me kudos to anybody that does that though like you're a badass I am not. <laughs> well, and I even had it imprinted like on um like paper. So I have Aww. it as like a piece of art. Um I haven't hung it anywhere though. It's just like in my closet. I'll show it to you when you come and visit to me. Please do. I want to see it. <laughs> Jessica for first Saturday this first Saturday line will be so jealous. You know what? We'll take a selfie with it and send it to her and she's gonna be like, What is this? <laughs> she's gonna love it. Grublies from Grubly Farms is the official choice of treat for our flocks. Grublies are safer for your flock because they're oven dried and made in America. And Grublies have 50% more calcium than other chicken snaps. <coughs> worms. And this means it'll help your ladies have tougher eggshells. They're also packed with protein, so that means healthier, shinier feathers. 
Now that's what I call a guilt-free snack. And did you know that you can buy your Grublies in bulk and you can subscribe and save 10% every time without needing to remember to log in and order? Yes, we love the treat tank that holds five pounds of Grublies and it's essential that we never run out or the whole flock will have a case of rusting beak face. So keep your treat tanks full with a subscription. They always ship free and save you 10%. And you can skip a month or cancel at any time. So head over to grublyfarms.com and use code FARM15 to save 15% off your first order or the first month of your subscription. Now it's time to learn about gardens. That was my intro to your section of the podcast to enlighten me about your gardens about my (laughs) gardens i don't know anything about my gardens either but uh, (laughs) i will give this a stab (laughs) i'm excited so i'm sheet mulching a section of my garden Mm, what's that it is a a permaculture practice and it is a no dig gardening technique that attempts to mimic the natural soil building process in forests so think like layers okay sheet mulching has layers okay like an onion like an onion or (laughs) an ogre (laughs) yes i'm so glad you got that And it's also known as composting in place. So um, basically what it does is um, it mimics the way that the forest uh, creates its floor um, by breaking down the material from the topmost layer down. Okay. And the simplest form of sheet mulching consists of starting a bottom layer of a decomposable material. So like cardboard or yeah. newspapers or something to that effect. They they act as a weed barrier. That's what this first layer is for. Oh, okay. Um, it helps to kill anything that's already under there. So you don't even necessarily have to dig up what's under there. Sheet mulching is a really common practice uh, that's used when you want to turn a section of lawn into a garden bed. Okay. So you don't have to kill the grass. You just put down a bunch of cardboard on top of the area that you don't want to have grass anymore. Mm-hmm. And it dies. <laughs> Ta-da! <Yes. laughs> you know how else uh, grass will die? If you put a chicken coop in a spot for a long enough time, like one of the movable ones. Yes. Yeah. That works pretty great, too, I found. Even with all the chicken shit, it still dies. Yeah. And you know what else works when your chickens just, like, keep kicking all of your sheet mulch and compost out of your sheet mulch garden onto the grass? Yeah. The grass doesn't like that either. Jerks. Chickens ruin everything. But we love them. Yes. So, uh... Where was I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> so you start with your um, with your bottom layer of the decomposable material, and then you just top it with some sort of organic mulch. Uh, in my case, I used a dirty straw from the barn and okay. the chicken coop. Uh, but you can also use things like leaves or weeds that you've pulled from your garden or things that you've like raked up out of your lawn you can throw all sorts of stuff on there um it's super 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 not picky 
And uh, this can be used, so in the notes I wrote, um, it's used to transform a variety of surfaces into fertile soil that can be planted in. And you can also put it on an area that's got like a ton of perennial weeds if you don't want the weeds to come back. You can just like sheet mulch the area and they won't come back. You'll have to keep pulling weeds out there eventually because once it turns into dirt, you know, the seeds will blow over there and start growing again. Um, You can help rehabilitate an area that has poor soil with sheet mulch. Uh And you can even create a garden like on top of pavement or a rooftop with a thick enough layer of, of sheet mulch. So it's pretty versatile. Oh, heck yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, and I kept it super simple. Like I said, I just used cardboard, dirty straw from the coop and barn, and I raked some leaves out of our yard. I didn't rake all the leaves out of our yard. Like, I'm sure my husband wished I would have, um, <laughs> but I raked some of them. <laughs> eh, you know. It's a work in progress. Yeah. It's March. I don't know if I'm going to ever finish raking. <laughs> I mean, at this point, come just on. Just mow it over. It's fine. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, So our sheet mulch has kind of been a work in progress over the last several weeks because the area that we're sheet mulching is kind of large. So what I've been doing is I've just been saving boxes from shipments. And I mean, and I'm using all the boxes, my first Saturday line boxes, my Henny and Rue boxes, my Amazon boxes, anything that comes in a box that doesn't have that like shiny, uh, like plasticky Mm-hmm. colored material on the outside of it is getting sheet mulch. So I break the box down, lay it flat, okay. uh, stick it in the area that I'm sheet mulching. Mm-hmm. And then I just throw some dirty straw on top of it. Interesting. I might have to start doing that because I have so many boxes in the barn because we we usually either like throw them out over time or reuse them or end up like if we're burning something, we'll throw a couple in there. Um that would be a great way to like do that. So can you do this like in your garden beds out front too? This isn't just like regular like vegetable garden. Like you can do this anywhere in your yard, correct? Yeah, you can do this anywhere in your yard that you want to. Now, one thing I would caution is that so since ours has been kind of a work in progress for a while, mm-hmm. uh, when I first started it, it was a little dry and it hadn't been raining much. So I put the cardboard down and then I threw the straw from the chicken coop on it. Mm-hmm. And then it got windy. <laughs> I was wondering about that. <laughs> my husband had to go and chase all my cardboard down <laughs> and put it back. <laughs> that's fantastic. But now it's been raining a lot. So that's not a problem anymore. Okay. Yeah. It's really damp here. So I'm yeah. thinking that if I can do this fast enough and we have a ton of hay and straw like mix from the barn just sitting in the middle like out back so it's like this this would be perfect yeah it totally two problems taken care of (laughs) (laughs) yes and what's cool about it is so you know like the way that you're supposed to think about your consumption is like reduce reuse and then recycle so Mm -hmm. all of these cardboard boxes we would have put in the recycling um, but by composting them, we're taking them just like out of the system and turning them into dirt mm-hmm. that's going to be used in our vegetable garden. So it is helpful in that way. I wouldn't just like order things in cardboard boxes just to get cardboard because there's tons of it all over the place. Um, Unless you have like an Amazon Prime problem like I do. (laughs) Yeah, I have an Amazon Prime problem too. I've been working on that. (laughs) Just say it's for your garden. There we go. It works. It's totally fine. 
Um, yeah. And you can, um, if you live in an area that's drier, you can always use the hose to wet them down to help keep them down. But everything here is winterized. I would have to yeah. like take the hoses out <laughs> and then use them and then re-winterize the hoses. Because yeah. if they freeze inside, if water freezes inside, like the hose is basically toast and we have to get new ones. So yeah, you know what we need to do? We need to find a sponsor of like winterized hoses so they just send them to us. Yeah. <laughs> like I've looked at them but they're not cheap. <laughs> oh, so there are hoses out there that There are. Oh, I did not know that yeah. was a thing. Yeah, so if you guys have connections to that kind of thing, yes. Hook us up. <laughs> we could use that for yes. sure. And the last thing that we're doing with it is the chickens are still free ranging right now. So the chickens are going to town like scratching at it and like helping get like the bugs in the area where we're sheet mulching and um, pooping all over the sheet mulch area. So they're being very helpful. I have to re-rake all of the sheet mulch back into their square patch. But I mean, that's Mm -hmm. all right. They keep kicking it the wrong direction because they're chickens. (laughs) Right. Right. They're not perfectionists. They're chickens. No, they are not. And if you want, um, you can do more elaborate sheet mulching. It's called lasagna gardening. There's all sorts of (laughs) recipes out there for it. (laughs) But you can do like different layers of cardboard and newspaper, soil, other organic materials that'll break down. You can throw like some peat moss in there. You can some coconut core or whatever it's called. Like you can get super super crazy with it and get a really nice uh, fertile layer but we have great soil here it's not that the soil doesn't have good stuff in it it's just that it's really clay and heavy mm. which isn't the greatest for roots you know they tend to get like moldy or bogged right. down from that so we're lasagna gardening the square because we want to create a three sisters garden so that's what we're putting in that area Aww. What is a three sisters garden or am I jumping ahead to your storytelling? <laughs> no, you're totally not jumping ahead. Elliot will just run right over there. <laughs> so corn, beans and squash are called the three sisters and Native Americans always interplanted these trio because they thrive together, much like three inseparable sisters. So now Settle in for story time. And all of this information that I got uh, for this section is from almanac.com. And I will link to that in the show notes so that if anybody wants to go um, and read the stuff on that website and get just a little more info, you are more than welcome to. So by the time that European settlers arrived in America in the early 1600s, the Iroquois had been growing the three sisters for over three centuries. And these three vegetables sustained Native Americans both physically and spiritually because in legend, the plants were a gift from the gods always to be grown together, eaten together, and celebrated together. And each of the sisters contributes something to the planting. So together, the three sisters provide a balanced diet from just one single planting. Okay, interesting. So as older sisters often do, the corn offers the beans much needed support. And the beans are the giving sister because they pull nitrogen from the air and bring it into the soil, which benefits all three of the plants. 
And as the beans grow through the tangle of squash vines and wind their way up the corn stalks into the sunlight, they hold all of the sisters close together. And the leaves of the sprawling squash protect all of them by creating a living mulch. So the living mulch shades the soil and keeps weeds from being able to grow in. And it also keeps their roots moist so that when it rains, the moisture gets trapped in and they don't all dry out. And the prickly squash leaves keep away raccoons because raccoons don't like to step on them. I feel like a kid listening to story time right now. (laughs) Right? This is so fascinating. (laughs) And what I liked most about that raccoon thing is one of our neighbors told us to never plant corn here because the raccoons will just eat it all. Oh, bastards. (laughs) When I came across this, I was like, oh, I think I have a solution. And uh, together, all three of the sisters provide both uh, sustainable soil fertility and a healthy diet for the people that consume them. The end. The end of story time. (laughs) And now you can go grow your own Three Sisters Garden, right? Was that all the info you needed? (laughs) Probably pretty close, huh? (laughs) Uh, I mean, kind of close. There are some other rules. It's not just all, um, you know, uh, fun and uh, what's what I'm looking for? Being sentimental about uh, sisters. (laughs) (laughs) So to plant a Three Sisters Garden... Um, what you'll do is uh, you'll start with the corn and you will plant it after the danger of frost has passed. Mm. So what I'm going to do in our patch, I wish I would have measured it so that I could tell somebody how big it is. But I posted a couple pictures on Instagram. And as I keep going, I'll continue to post pictures so people can kind of see what we're doing. But I'm going to plant the corn into squares instead of straight rows. Okay. And I'm thinking like maybe five by five squares or like four by five. I don't know. I haven't quite decided. I'm going to calculate how many seeds I really have that end up germinating. Mm -hmm. And then I'll figure out what my patch sizes are from there. So the reason why I'm planting my corn in squares rather than long rows is that the squares will help encourage proper pollination. Um, because like the bees and the pollinators can all get to the corn and the corn patch a little easier than they can like in a long skinny straight row. Okay. Yeah. Um, and another reason why I'm doing it that way is because I'm planting uh, a couple different varietals of corn. Okay. And when you're planting different varietals of corn, you need to plant them a few weeks apart to prevent cross-pollination. I did not know that. Yeah. So I have like Indian corn, glass gem corn, and sweet corn. And you don't want the sweet corn getting pollinated with the glass gem corn or the Indian corn because it, it won't be as sweet. It'll it'll probably still be perfectly edible, um, but it'll definitely, you know, it'll be a, it'll basically produce a different corn plant than it would be if it were if they were all pollinated together so by uh doing the three different planting times also it'll help us succession plant the rest of the three sisters garden um so that i don't have to harvest like all the green beans at the same time and all the squash (laughs) at the same time like i'll probably start with the sweet corn and then a patch of beans and then a patch of squash um, and then just keep kind of working my way around uh, the big 
patch that we have essentially. So then everything will be kind of, you know, succession planted. Yeah. And what you'll do uh, is after you've planted your corn, um, you'll wait until it's about five inches tall and then you will plant your pole bean seeds. And then after your pole bean seeds have germinated and started to sprout up, you'll plant your squash seeds and that'll take about a week or so. So then you've got your corn growing and steady enough to hold on to the beans as it start, as they start to wind their way up the corn stalk. And the beans will have already started growing so that they can reach the sunlight before the squash plant's big giant leaves come out and shade everything. And there you have it, a three sisters garden. Ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's not going to go like totally hunky-dory like that. We'll run into a few issues and I'll probably step on some squash like going out to harvest things. But you'll hey. figure it out. Yeah, exactly. But it's going to be really fun to do something a little different. I was originally just going to stick with our garden beds that we have out there. Mm-hmm. But we have this big giant patch in the middle that we weren't doing anything with. And I thought we can totally sheet mulch that and turn it into a three sisters garden. Like, if it fails, it's not going to be any uglier than it is right now because it's just a giant patch. (laughs) That's fair. And I can always just throw some sunflowers out there if it starts getting real bad. That's true. See? Glass half full. Unlike my wine glass right now. Right. Half empty. Half empty. Um, But that's okay that it's half empty uh, because we're pretty much done with this. Yeah. I mean, I did refill it. Like, you know. 20 minutes ago so oh nice (laughs) yeah i still have to do chores though so that'll be fun (laughs) but yeah i think it's some time it's uh time for some housekeeping yes it is coop cape coop coop cape coop cape coop cape coop cam dates have been announced June yes. 7th through 9th, and you can register at fadedjeans.tv slash coop dash camp dot html, and uh, that will be in the show notes, because there's no way you're going to remember that, because I have to read it every single time. <laughs> right. Especially if you're driving. Don't look it up while you're driving. No. Look it up when you get home. Uh, but register and come hang out with your favorite podcasters at Coop Camp. We hope that's us. Otherwise, this is awkward. Yes. The only podcasters at Coop Camp. No, we can't make that promise. Brad. Yeah, we don't know that. Don't invite any other podcasters. No, we're just kidding. We're happy to have other podcasters (laughs) there. (laughs) And make sure you take our survey. That link will also be in the show notes. It's a great way for you to give anonymous feedback. And sometimes we implement that. Yeah, we sure do. And join our Facebook group. Yes, we have so much fun over there. Um, That link will, guess what, also be in the show notes. But you can also just go to Facebook.com and search We Drink and We Farm Things. And it should come right up for you. And be sure and review us in all the places. And if you really like us, download the episodes when you listen and subscribe. We did just get a new iTunes review. So yay! Thank you. Thank you. Yes. we. That was a surprise because we were just scrolling through the Apple iTunes and saw that and got like ridiculously excited. <laughs> we got excited far too easily. <laughs> yes. It does not take much. <laughs> but I mean, that means that we're fun to hang out with, right? I mean, I think so. 
Also, we sell merchandise. Um, sometimes I make really awesome things and you can buy them over at drinkandfarm.com slash, slash shop. There's a lot of um, barware options over there. So make sure you go over and check that out. And we also opened up a second merch shop and it's drinkandfarmmerch.com. You can get shirts, hoodies, camping cups, a bunch of other cool stuff that Sam doesn't make. Right. <laughs> and when you shop at either of our merch shops, it helps support the podcast. So thank you. Yes. Yes. Um, and if you haven't already, send us your farm stories. If you have a story from your farm you think fellow listeners could laugh at, learn from, or just warm their hearts, we want to hear it. So send those to us via DM on Instagram, or you can email them to drinkandfarm at gmail.com. So I have a quick farm story to tell you. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, um, Orion, he's my 13-year-old, he is responsible for taking care of the chickens. He comes in and he's like... Stephen Rue Morris is being really mean to the hens. He keeps jumping on them and holding oh. them down to the ground, and it looks really awful. <laughs> and I'm like, kiddo, he's just mating with them. And he's like, huh? And I'm like, he's mating with them. He's 13. He's done sex ed. So, like, this farm okay. thing. I'm okay. trying to be, like, really casual about it. Because, you know, if I don't make a big deal out of it, then they won't make a big deal out of it, right? Right. That's the that's the hope anyway. <laughs> it really is. But I just told him that, like thinking, all right, you're going to get this and it like light bulb moment and you'll be like, OK, and it'll be good. Yeah. And then he looks and he's like, he's mating with them. Well, like, how does it work for chickens? And Aurora, she's seven. She's standing there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. So I'm like, roosters don't really have all of the same anatomy as people do. I'm like, but basically, you know, they both just have vents and they do like this like vent touching thing and that's it. And he like wanted all the details. And my seven year old is standing there and she's like, oh, so does this mean we're going to have baby chicks? Aww. (laughs) Like sort of. It's a little more complicated than that. But yeah. And then I like shoot a look at my 13 year old. I'm like, we can talk more about this in detail later, but I cannot come up with like the proper <laughs> words to use like on the fly like this. And I'm hoping that the look on my face is telling you that that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> did it work? Did it the did. look work? Okay. Good. It worked. And it was funny. I was starting to think that maybe he was mistaken because I haven't really like seen anything <laughs> happening. And then my husband's like, yeah, no, Stephen Rue Morris was mating with a hen in the doorway of our automatic coop door. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, that's not a good place for that. He likes he likes to get it. He's kinky. Look yeah, out. apparently he likes the danger. High risk, high reward. Right. And then I saw him doing it inside the coop finally. So I'm like, all right, our limping Stephen Rue Morris can do his job with the ladies. He's, he's getting it in. Yeah. So I was, I was pretty excited. And then when I was eating breakfast this morning or making breakfast this morning, I cracked the eggs and I go, we have fertilized eggs. Aww, yay. <laughs> and everybody had to come look. I like Aww. pointed out how you could tell that they were fertilized because it had the bullseye. And it was pretty easy to see. That means you could hatch your own chicks now. Yes, I can hatch my own chicks now. I probably will eventually because I would like to have just a handful more hens. 
Mm-hmm. I think one rooster is enough for now. Yeah, um, depending on how many hens you hatch. Yeah, yeah, depending <laughs> on how many hens I hatch. We have right now we have ten hens and one rooster. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an okay. That, that's, that's a perfect ratio. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know the new ones won't be won't be old enough to lay eggs until fall, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, not to be like morbid or anything, but we do free range all of our chickens, so I'm thinking that we'll lose like two or three of them over the right. span of the year because right. that's just the way that it seems to work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, speaking of eggs. Guess who's eaten eggs three days in a row and has not gotten sick? You did? Yep. Yay! Yay! That's my F and hooray. I love it. <laughs> yes. So it's funny because Elise posted something in the group. I think it was Elise about, hey, Sam, have you tried duck eggs? And it's like, yes, duck eggs still made me sick. Um, but... Little did she know I was trying to eat them because I've had some um, McDonald's breakfast sandwiches a couple of weeks ago and then like last week. And according to their website, their eggs are like eggs and milk. Yeah. So they're real. Um, Still fresh? Probably not. But they're real. And those didn't make me sick. So I've been experimenting the past couple of days. And Yeah. So hopefully that means that I, I'm out of the woods. Maybe my body just didn't like them for a little bit. We took a little break and now we can have eggs again, which is fantastic. That's really exciting considering how many eggs you get on your farm. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. And that that is like ticking up again too with, you know, the days getting a little longer. It's insane. Yeah. All it took was just like getting into February and... Now it's just it's increasing, like, like exponentially. Yeah. It's crazy. So yeah, yeah, that's all we got today. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, we'll talk to you next week. We sure will. So drink, farm, and, and give, give zero, zero clucks. clucks. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.